Welcome to Goodwin Law Unplugged, Florida real estate and more. This podcast features candid insight from real estate industry professionals from all sectors. Your host, attorney Matthew Goodwin, a native Floridian and experienced real estate attorney, will provide his personal insight on legal matters and feature other professionals offering their candid advice. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, seasoned investor, or experienced real estate agent, there is something for everyone. Thanks for joining us on Goodwin Law Unplugged. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Goodwin Law Unplugged. This is Matt Goodwin. Remember, there's no attorney-client relationship established just by listening to this, but you will get some really uh, helpful information on the law that is intended to educate realtors, uh, real estate investors, the general public, anybody who's buying or selling real estate or uh, real property in the state of Florida. Today, I'm going to talk about buying property with an LLC in Florida. I get a lot of requests to set up holding companies when someone is about to purchase a piece of real estate and the most common and uh, favored entity structure is a Florida limited liability company, which is referred to as an LLC. It's really easy to set up. So a lot of people establish these companies and then they don't do anything else with them. And sometimes the company gets administratively dissolved by not taking a very small step. Today, I'm going to talk to you about the decisions you need to be aware of when setting up an LLC, the management considerations, uh, statutory requirements without getting too boring, talking about too much boring stuff, and maybe some tax considerations. Now, I'm not going to give you any tax advice, but I'm going to talk to you about the topics you would want to address with your tax professional. So the first thing you need to do when you decide to utilize an LLC to purchase property in real estate is you need to decide whether it's going to be a single member or multi-member LLC. There's big differences when it comes to liability. Now, most husband and wife couples would naturally set up a multi-member or two-member LLC, and most single individuals would set up a single member LLC without thinking twice. And if there's a partnership that already exists, then you have a multi-member LLC with the partners. What a lot of out-of-state investors don't know, and even some local investors that, that are, have already used an LLC, is they don't know that when they use a single-member LLC, they lose protection from creditors, and it's called charging order protection. So what that provides you is if you have a bunch of other assets and you set up a multi-member LLC, you have this charging order protection, someone gets a judgment against you, they can only come after those assets owned by the LLC. And that's significant because what does that say about a single member, single member LLC? And why, why would anyone want a single member LLC? Well, not everybody wants to have a partner number one, right? So you may not have a choice to have a multi-member LLC. That doesn't mean you lose all the benefits of having an LLC, but that's a pretty big one for some people. There are ways to supplement your liability coverage with an umbrella policy and in combination with a good homeowner's policy on that property. But there's, there's a lot of other reasons why you might still want an LLC 
that's considered a single member LLC, such as the management. And that's where the next decision comes in. You have two choices. Either you have a manager managed LLC or a member managed LLC. Now, the members of an LLC are the owners. When you look on the Florida's website, it's just sunbiz.org on the Department of Corporations for the Secretary of State. You can look up any company, corporation, limited liability company, partnership, fictitious entity, and you can see who is listed there and they have a little title next to their name. It's usually an acronym, uh, manager or uh, managing member or authorized member or for a corporation, president, secretary. Uh, you can even specify something as generic as being a, just a director. Now, I'm not going to talk about all the differences between those titles today, but the designation is really important because if you if it's not known whether it's a manager managed or member managed, just by looking at the uh, Sunbiz printout, then you have to usually produce additional supporting documentation. And when you go to sell that property, it may put you through a few hoops and it's, it's good to be prepared and understand how that works. So when you set up the LLC, you have to, it's a good practice to designate whether it's a manager managed or a member managed uh, in the section where you identify what the purpose is and any optional provisions you want to apply. A member managed LLC cannot appoint a manager. And this is important because that means that if you are designated as a member managed LLC, then you must be, the owners must be listed as those point persons on in the public records. Whereas a manager managed LLC often lists a manager's name on the public records and there's no mention of the true ownership interest in that corporation. This is really important for a lot of uh, investors that have multiple properties across the state. They don't want people to know who owns that, that entity. And there may be some other way to find out, I suppose, but not through the Secretary of State's portal because it's just not provided. Now, if somebody set it up in the beginning and then they spoke to an attorney, for instance, or somebody else, and they changed it, the history of that change is still going to be on the website. So they have to be cautious of that. And the best time to do it is when you set it up. The other considerations for a, a manager managed is a member, aka an owner of that LLC, has no statutory authority to act for a manager managed LLC. And there's no such thing as being the managing member. Now, if one of the members is also the manager, then they're just the manager. And that's how they're identified on the website. So two, two key takeaways here. If it's a manager managed, then designate someone with the acronym MGR for manager. If it's a member managed, then use the acronym AMBR, which stands for authorized member. And what that does, it lets the world know who has the right to make decisions for this company. The Articles of Organization is the name of the document that you file establishing the LLC. And it's public record. You can read it. But there's also something called an operating agreement. So I'm going to talk to you about operating agreements for a moment. 
in Florida, an operating agreement for an LLC can be verbal, written, implied, or even a combination of those things. And this is important because if you have more than one person that has an ownership interest in this company, or let's say you've designated a manager, then the operating agreement is really significant. Now there's statutory provisions in, in the Florida statutes that will tell you how it's governed. But if you want to change that, the one, the, the provisions that you can change or the powers that you can change, you got to have some sort of an operating agreement. Now, if you have a written operating agreement that doesn't provide for everything, but then you've also had discussions and your course of dealing over the last year, two, three years has, um, has, has offered insight as to how that LLC is to be managed, then you can imply from those circumstances an operating agreement. So there's something that's called an, it's called an integration clause in the written operating agreement. This clause is so important because if you don't have it, then you can imply the circumstances and add terms to your operating agreement based on a verbal conversation you had. And this makes it ripe for litigation, especially for partnerships or multiple entities that, that own uh, real estate holdings in a limited liability company in Florida. So the integration clause is key. Now, the other thing that's important is the operating agreement trumps the articles of organization. So you can have these article articles of organizations set up and it says the purpose of this company is to do anything and everything that's legal or for all legal purposes. Well, if you have, if you end up with an operating agreement that doesn't have an integration clause and it's written, then additional information can be uh, put into this quote unquote operating agreement and it can create some, some issues. And it, it really has to do with when the LLC is terminated, you know, or let's say there's a dispute while you own property in the LLC. One of the most common disputes is a divorce. You know, you have a, um, someone who owes in, owns an interest in an LLC and it comes time to divide the assets in a dissolution of marriage. And they look for this operating agreement. Well, one party says that uh, he had a 75% stake in the company. Let's say um, the, the one that is um, at the least advantage says that the other spouse has a greater interest, but then this operating agreement says it's, you know, it's different. Well, you're just going to keep racking up your attorney's fees, arguing about it. And the significance here is if you have a really valuable asset that's owned by an LLC, you're opening yourselves up to additional liability. So if you have a partner and you have an LLC, get an operating agreement in writing and make sure you have an integration clause. Other considerations with an LLC, you, you don't have to have a tax ID number. But there's a IRS has a, a form, uh, form SS SS4, and you can also apply for a tax ID online. It's the application process that you need to understand when you're setting up a tax ID number. So for taxation purposes, an LLC is default a multi-member LLC 
is default taxed as a partnership. Single member LLC, it's a no brainer because you can't be a partner with yourself. So it, it's considered a pass through entity. Doesn't mean you can't still get a separate tax ID number for it, but it, it passes through to your personal tax return if you don't. So it's not a problem. But for a multi-member LLC, you apply for this tax return and, or sorry, for this tax ID number, and you have to specify on there what type of entity you would like to be taxed as. Like I said, the default is a partnership, but you can make an election to be taxed as an S-Corp as well. If you do elect to be taxed as an S-Corp, you have to make an, an additional election, which means you have to fill out an additional form and submit it with the IRS. This is really, really important to get right. If you don't get it right when you set the LLC up, you can always change it, but then you have to file another form and you know seek the advice of your tax professional. And you know, the, the more time you spend thinking through things in the beginning, the less of a headache you, you're going to have uh, when something does come up. So getting the entity classification correct for tax purposes in the beginning is really important. And especially if you're going to have a multi-member LLC and you want to make sure that um, it's taxed properly, seek the advice of your uh, tax professional for that because there is really significant um, details that would determine what may be best for you, such as whether you're going to have any employees, um, an S-Corp election in that case may save you some empl employer taxes. The next thing I want to talk to you about is the management structure itself of an LLC. This is one of the big benefits of having an LLC. When you set up a corporation, for instance, you have to set up, identify shareholders. And in an LLC, you don't do that. You, you may have membership interests, but you don't have to designate a number of shares. What you also don't have to do is have a meeting each year with the board. So you don't have to have bylaws and a board of directors. Uh, you can have a meeting with yourself for a corporation, meaning you can be a corporation of one shareholder, but the requirement to have bylaws and annual meetings is still there. And you have to have minutes for those meetings. So what some people will do is they'll set up a corporation, they'll buy some real estate. Five years later, they talk to a lawyer or maybe they're audited and somebody says, can you please provide the uh, meeting minutes from the last five years or the bylaws of your corporation? Well, statutorily, you're required to have those things with an LLC. You're not. So it's a lot easier to manage an LLC from an uh, administrative standpoint, not only that, but you only, you don't need to file a separate tax return if you have an LLC, whereas with an, uh, an S corp you do. So that's an important distinction. Again, this, these nuances can, can be really tricky to navigate on your own. So, you know, schedule a meeting with your accountant for at least 30 minutes before you establish uh, an LLC and speak to your lawyer. If you are already experienced in it, you might want to get a refresher on it. Uh, listening to this podcast is also helpful. And if you have any questions after the fact, you'll, you'll know how to contact me. Uh, the other thing I want to talk to you about is a statement of authority. There's something that uh, the law changed a few years ago, and there's this document called a statement of authority that allows you to designate somebody 
and give them power to sign documents on behalf of your company. They don't even have to have an ownership interest. The other thing you can do with a statement of authority is you can limit somebody's power. You, what this document is, is it's available on the Secretary of State's website. You fill it out with the details of the company and you name the people that who you want to expand, give power to or limit power to. You file it, then you request a certified copy of it and you record a copy of that the certified copy in the public records of the county where the property is located. This makes it really easy for you to sell the property or when it comes time to sell the property, they most likely won't ask you for some of these additional documentations or sh showing proof of the person signing have, has the actual authority to bind the company. So you, a lot of people don't think about these things when they're setting their LLC up. And then they get caught like a, a deer in the headlights when they go to sell the property. And if you're flipping properties, this could happen multiple times uh, and it just creates more work. So it's good to be informed on these things. A huge benefit of a statement of authority is, is for when it has to do with foreigners. So someone that's in another country can appoint a local person in a statement of authority, enabling them to sign for the company, making it easier for, let's say, a, a remote online notarization, a closing where you have a notarization done online and there's this identification threshold. You have to prove that, you know, who you are. And if you're in another country, it's it's a lot harder if you don't, or if you're in a foreign, if you're a foreign person, a non-resident. Uh, not a non-resident alien or otherwise have a, a local tax ID number, it's really hard to uh, satisfy that identification threshold. So that's a little nuanced thing, a little tip for, for anyone that's a foreigner buying property, using an LLC and getting a statement of authority on record in the county where the property exists. Liability is one of the biggest reasons that people form an LLC. But if you're doing that, just make sure you understand single versus multi-member and the benefits of one versus the other. To conclude this podcast, we talked about LLCs as the preferred entity to purchase real estate in Florida and the multiple benefits of that, such as administrative ease, uh, taxation purposes, and, and liability. So Remember, don't just go set up an LLC because someone told you it was a good idea or that's what they do. Make sure you understand the benefits, what it's for and whether it's the right thing for you. And, and, and if after that decision is made, uh, make sure you think through all of these things that are really important to think through. On our next episode, we're going to be talking about land trusts and a lot of the investors we work with buy and uh, property and land trust and there's a huge number of benefits so make sure you tune in and uh, i'll have a special guest for you on that next episode so i look forward to uh, speaking to you everybody and thanks again for tuning in thanks for listening to goodwin law unplugged to learn more about goodwin law and to utilize our services visit goodwinestatelaw.com or call 239-207-3403 hablamos espanol to submit questions or be a guest on a future episode, message us on our website or on social media by searching for Goodwin Law PA in Naples, Florida. This has been Goodwin Law Unplugged. Thanks again for joining us.